There are some who call me Tim. Welcome, Valley of the Sun and around the world. Tim Jacobs here. Thank you so much for joining me on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. This is your one-hour wad with God, your spiritual Zumba class, and it is the thigh master for your soul. Yes, you will leave listening to this program feeling like you have got a workout inside your soul. Now, this is the show. That is Redefining Christian Radio right here on 1280KXEG coming at you from Phoenix, Arizona. And it is a beautiful day here in Phoenix as we're in that wonderful stage of the year where it's not winter and it's not summer. It's the brief moments of spring where we get the warm air and today it's kind of like partly cloudy. It's just beautiful outside. Listen, I want you to follow me on Life360 with Tim Jacobs on Facebook. So go to just go to Facebook Live 360 with Tim Jacobs. You can find me Twitter at Tim G Jacobs. You can find me there. And as always, go to TimJacobsLive.com and you can get any of my previous shows. We are here live every week from 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time, 1280KXEG. But wherever you are, you can always listen to any previous show. And also, make sure you send me an email, Tim at CompassChurchAZ. Dot com. That is my email, Tim at Compass Church, C-O-M-P-A-S-S Church, A-Z.com. I am the lead pastor of Compass Church in the Wild West Valley, Goodyear, Arizona to be exact. And I hope that uh, somewhere last week, wherever you were, you found a chance to hit a church somewhere for Easter. We had an amazing time. It was awesome. Now, listen. I am super excited about today's show because we are going to talk about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. What does it mean? How is it evolving? What's going on? You may not even have heard of this, or if you have, you're probably a little bit confused by it. And so I, we are very, very privileged here on Life360 with Tim Jacobs to have with us um, Garrett Epps, who is profes- professor of constitutional law at the University of Maryland. He's going to be here to talk to us about his article that he wrote in The Atlantic on the subject as well. Well, it's just the, uh, the the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in general. Professor Epps, how are you this afternoon? Great, great. But I'm at the University of Baltimore, Tim, and my dean will get mad at me if did I, I point did. Did I out. say Maryland? I am you so did. sorry. That's all right. How did I mess that up? I am so sorry. <laughs> University of Baltimore, everybody. Now, real quick, just so we get that, if anybody wants to to uh, to, to find you, to to contact you, or, or interact with you, how can they do that? Uh, I'm on the website. They can okay. uh, they can email me on on uh, the, my email address is right there. Uh, ubalt.edu. Ubalt.edu. Okay, so everybody, it's the University of Baltimore. Where I want to thank you so much for joining me, Professor Epps. Now you wrote an article in the Atlantic uh, last that came out on theAtlantic.com last week, and it was kind of like right after this this whole issue. So you were one of the first ones to write an article about uh, Rifra. Is that correct? Oh uh, yeah, I, uh, there were a couple that had come out, but uh, the controversy was just brewing. Just uh, brewing when you got in there, and yeah. your your article is entitled "What Makes Indiana's Religious Freedom Law Different." And so let's just jump right into this. Can you first of all explain to our listeners what the Religious Freedom uh, uh, Restoration Act is, and uh, and then we'll get into why it's it's different from, and we'll kind of get into what you were trying to go for there. Yeah, well, Religious Freedom Restoration Acts began uh, with the Federal Act in 1993, uh, Tim, which was a response to a decision of the 
the United States Supreme Court, uh, in which the court held that two men who were uh, members of the Native American Church, who which uses peyote in its worship, uh, that they were not entitled to unemployment benefits when they were fired, um, because they the the free exercise clause they said didn't protect religious people from so-called neutral laws, mm-hmm. and this caused a, a great deal of. Uh, reaction in the in the church and religious communities, both uh, Christian and uh, all others, because it is it is very possible for a legislature to uh, interfere with uh, religious conduct without knowing it, because they just don't take into account certain the existence of certain religious groups. I mean, certainly the Oregon legislature in the Smith case wasn't even aware that there were members of the Native American Church in Oregon. So th- um, so basically this law then in the, in the 90s was came about as a result of these Native Americans using peyote as a as part of their worship and did, did this law then subsequently protected them protected their well, right to do that? Uh, it's fascinating that that case produced uh, three different statutes repudiating it. Uh, one was the original Religious Freedom Restoration Act mm-hmm. and then there was a, an act called the Religious Freedom Amendments to the American Indian Religious Freedom Act, the Free Exercise Amendments, and then the the Oregon legislature passed a law making it clear that their the state's drug laws were not to be applied to the religious worship of the Native American Church. So the reaction was was pretty intense, and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, as passed in 1993, mm-hmm. was considered to be uh, a pretty important piece of legislation. But in 1997 or so, the United States Supreme Court held that that law didn't apply to the states. Uh, under federalism okay. principles, they said that the um, the federal government can't legislate these constitutional standards for the states. And in the period after that, in the late 90s, early 21st century, a number of states, including Texas and uh, some others, passed uh, state religious freedom mm-hmm. restoration acts, again, aimed at this situation where um, the legislature... Uh, passes so-called neutral laws that impact people's religious worship in a way that the legislature probably didn't uh, intend. So, right. So now we fast forward now to what happened <laughs> last week when Indiana passed a law called the Religious uh, uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And you make the argument that even though uh, a lot of people have said, hey, look, listen, everyone just needs to relax. This is just like the federal law. You say that it's different. How is it different? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of, of points where I think are significant. Um, the first is that the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act didn't make any mention of businesses or corporations. It seemed to be written in terms of the individual. And remember, that the case that inspired it was these these two guys. They were they were just guys living paycheck to paycheck who uh, had gone to these to the, this religious service, uh, and then when the uh, uh, the people who ran their uh, agency they worked for said, no, we don't like peyote, it's a drug, and they offered to explain to them that it was a religion. They said, we don't care, you're fired, and not only that, mm-hmm. you don't get your unemployment compensation. So, um, you know, it, it started out as being very protective of that. Now, as everybody listening to your show knows, we're in a situation now where the law of marriage is in rapid flux. Yes. Uh, it seems entirely possible that uh, by the middle of this summer, the Supreme Court will have reached uh, a holding that requires states at some level to uh, 
uh, allow and, and protect same-sex marriages. Um, and when that came on the horizon, there was a new uh, push to enact Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And one of the things that's in that Indiana Act is that it protects basically almost any corporation. Um, that is different from what the Religious Freedom Act uh federal act says and it's different from the way it's been interpreted by the supreme court it's broader right so so you you're so that's the kind of the main point of the article is that this is broader whereas before as those who would say hey listen the uh the this this act is just like the federal one you say no it's not in fact um quoting your article you say so let's review the evidence and you you cite the weekly standard by the weekly standards definition there's quote nothing significant about this law that differs from the federal one and other state ones except that it's been carefully written to make clear that number one businesses can use it against number two civil rights suits brought by individuals so this really then is something that your concern is that it's not just something that protects individuals but protects potentially businesses even as, as large as perhaps the hobby lobby and as we've known that they've been in the news about that and then of course specifically as it blew up afterwards this pizza um, place in indiana that uh, obviously you, you, the concern is that that businesses like this would be able to use this law to discriminate against same sex couples. Is that really the thrust of what you were trying to say? Yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a slightly more complicated than that because uh, you, you have to understand that, you know, the governor, Governor Pence said, well, this law is not a license to discriminate against anybody. And that was correct. Uh, what it was is, is a, a tool that people defending against discrimination claims uh, could use to, to attempt to uh, refuse service under various uh, pretexts, if there was a local statute, a local civil rights statute that prohibited discrimination. Now, in some parts of Indiana, there are such statutes, and it was uh, the supporters of this bill in the in the uh, you know who were lobbying the legislature were mm -hmm. very frank about this. They said we've got to protect the Christian businessman from having to do business with uh, people who are uh, gay you know gay couples, mm -hmm. and that that wasn't in the bill, but that was being talked about, and so it was clearly that. Um, and the other concern was that it would have a very severe effect on the local ordinances. The city, the city and county of Indianapolis, for example, has an ordinance that says uh, that you may not discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation in housing uh, and public accommodations and employment. Um, you know, those are all areas in which I think most people agree uh, they're, yeah. they're pretty basic human rights, um, and it was it was feared, I think, with some level of realism, that businesses would would say, well, you know, that law may say that, but my defense is that hiring uh, gay people or letting gay people live in my apartment complex uh, would violate my religion, and therefore I don't have to do it. So, so there was, you know, uh, some truth on both sides, but. But it certainly seemed motivated among some of the people who supported it by a desire to give a defense to people who were discriminating. And that was a reason for concern. And that's but that's and that's obviously your concern in the article. Um, yes. what, what I want to ask you is, is there any room for a business that involves something that requires <sighs> approval of the nature of the event. I mean, obviously, the clear example that everyone uses is the photographer of, the, of a same-sex wedding. Um, in, in that case, is there any room for a business to deny a service because they just can't do it in good conscience? Well, you know, the, the, this is a fairly complicated question. The first thing I want to say is that I've been sort of diligently searching the cases mm -hmm. um, 
going back to to the beginning of the 20th century, and I've only found one case uh, that concerns a photographer, and that's the case you cited. So uh, there isn't a broad history of civil rights and public accommodations laws being applied to photographers. Um, and, of course, some of the laws are written more narrowly than others. You know, some of them say a public accommodation is, and they don't list photographers. So, uh, but, when, but won't there be, though? I mean, because you're, you're right. You go back and you don't see a lot of examples of this because right. same-sex marriage has been is an extremely new thing. I mean, I think that's one of the things we have to bring up is this is a, this is a massive paradigm shift in our culture and what it feels like and what it seems like is for for untold numbers of centuries not just our country but just the human race in general has affirmed as part of nature the, the a man and a woman um, and that being a, a marriage marriage being defined by a man and a woman the government has come in and now altered that definition and what what it seems to me is that the law now is trying to catch up to figure out we just kind of blew up the box and and we just we did. I mean, we blew up the box and now the chips are falling and everything's getting hashed out and people are going, well, wait a second. I'm not sure I agree with this. And then what's happening is the culture's turning around saying, well, now you have to agree with this or we're coming after you. Is That's that's the sense that I get. And that's that's maybe uh, is that. But why would there be a whole lot of examples if we haven't yet had this this law in place? For well, anyone? well, because there were pro- there were uh, lawsuits under the Civil Rights Act involving uh, sex and race. They go back to 1909, and they raise the same questions, uh, and that this is what the question is. The question is, what is a public accommodation? Okay. Okay? Now, we all understand, and I, think, I don't think there's a whole lot of disagreement anymore, the principle that uh, if you have a hotel, you have a restaurant, and you are serving travelers, and you are serving people who are in interstate commerce, um, then you cannot, under the law, turn people of a certain race away. You cannot say, right. I don't serve women. You right. can't say, I don't serve Jews. Um, and and the question is, what is a public accommodation? Okay. And uh, each state statute defines that uh, a little bit differently. Um, and some of them, you know, provide a list, you know, that might not, that doesn't include a photographer, for example. Um, others say it's of this type. And then the courts would have to determine, does that include a photographer? Um and the other thing I wanted to say before we get away from this is you have to remember that the uh, photography issue, which I think is really not a very important issue, uh, but nonetheless, it's important to the photographer. I, I agree right. with that. That issue hasn't been settled in the following sense. The Supreme Court refused to review the New Mexico case, but the issue that remains open is whether having to take photographs of a wedding involves your First Amendment rights to speech, okay? If, if it does, then uh, there's a whole set of, of rules involving compelled speech that says, you know, you can't be forced to say things you don't believe. And that issue is going to be settled by the courts, I think, yeah, it will. It, too long. Sure, it will. And and I think that's the concern that a lot of people have is the courts have been settling every issue and they've been doing it by their own interpretation. And we've had this vast, wild swing. So, for example, and by the way, we're talking with Professor Garrett Epps from the University of Baltimore, professor of <laughs> constitutional law. Very grateful to have him with us on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. By the way, if you want to uh, get in on the conversation, 602-368-3776, 602-368-3776 is the number. Now, you, you cited 
Love. This is a question I, I really am interested in, in as we get into the weeds here. You cited the case of Loving versus Virginia, where Richard Mildred Loving uh, had violated the Racial Integrity Act, which prevented interracial marriage. And you, you, you quote the judge in the case who said, Almighty God created the races white, black, yellow, melee, and red and placed them on separate continents. The fact that he separated the races, um, he, that he did not obviously intend for the races to mix because he separated them. Now, you cite that case, but the, the challenge with that, though, is even is I could take that same case and say, wait a second, we're looking at at, at the rights of an individual. The 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 uh, those who were against interracial marriage are really on the same side as those who are for same sex marriage because in both cases they have used the government to alter the traditional definition of marriage. So in the case of interracial marriage, for for time in eternity, they it's always been said that any man and any woman can get married, and that's a recognizable marriage. It's only when the government came along in certain areas. And said, no, you can't do that now, were then people's civil rights violated. Now, fast forward a bunch of generations, once again, the government stepped in and taken a common definition that's been in place forever, altered that definition and said, well, now, no, we're going we're gonna to say it's different. And in that sense as well, has, uh, has then changed it. And we've, we've got the situation that we've got. So is, cause you, you, what happens is you take that and then you say, that's a good background against which you measure the uproar. In other words, what's happening here is the same thing that's happened there. And my concern, Professor, is that it's really it's really not because in both cases, the government has stepped in and altered the traditional definition of marriage. Well, I think that uh, really for for at least 500 years uh, in Western society, marriage has been uh, a legal uh, relationship. And and for that in that sense, uh, I don't think you can really say that there was some pre-existing, you know, religious definition of marriage that the government is now altering. The government has always, always shaped the contours of marriage, uh, what members of a family can get married, what age you can get married at, what what obligations and what effects that, that marriage has on the rights of the individuals. Um, and uh, the point about Loving versus Virginia was simply to say this. It is, I said, and I said this very explicitly, mm-hmm. the people who said that interracial marriage or desegregation of public accommodations violated their religion, and I said this very clearly, were absolutely sincere. They were, they were Christians who were completely sincere. They had read their Bible. This was their interpretation. And I knew those folks. I grew up in the South. Um, and, and some of them were, were wonderful people and just said, you know, this is, this is my belief. Uh, and at a certain point, um, the political system uh, had to determine that the wrong that was being done uh, to non-white people in the South and in the Southwest and, and even in California outweighed the fact that it was going to cause some anguish uh, on the part of, of these people who believed religiously that they shouldn't uh, mix with, with black folk. Um, and that, that, you know, that's a difficult call. I mean, I do not belittle the fact that it caused uh, uh, anxiety and pain and suffering, uh, but at some point these decisions uh, get made. And but um, they, well, they did too. But but what I want to throw in there though is where I take issue with that is yes, there were those who, in the name of Christ or in the name of God, in the name of yeah. what they read in the Bible, very very falsely, where they drew these lines. But it was also a product of of eugenics and of quote unquote science and social Darwinism to say how do we weed out the the bad races and produce this master race? I mean, the the, the secular atheistic movement was just as much party to this kind of uh, 
de uh, or this anti-interracial component. And in, in the same way now that many people who are advocating for same-sex marriage are doing so in the name of God. They're saying God wants us to love everybody. So both both sides are playing the God card here. And I think what, what's what's frustrating is when when one side says, well, you're wrong. But, you know, you guys, the people that, that were against interracial marriage were purely the, the Christians and the God-fearing ones. Now, they may have a louder voice, but certainly the, the atheists as well were just as happy about being racist. I don't, I don't, I don't for a minute say that only Christians opposed or only religious people opposed uh, desegregation. I was saying something different, which was, you know, there was a time in this country and within living memory, because I, Mm -hmm. I remember it quite well, uh, where a number of people sincerely believed uh, on the basis of Scripture that there there must not be mixing of the races. Um, there are many, many fewer people that believe that today, and I think it's because uh, the race is mixed and, and the, the, the world didn't collapse. And as you say, there are people of faith on both sides of this same-sex marriage issue, um, and my guess is that if we work out how this is going to work, it's not going to produce a cataclysm for uh, believing Christians on either side of the issue. And this is why I didn't want there to be a Religious Freedom Restoration Act, because that act did, wasn't upfront. It didn't admit what it was doing. It was bucking the issue to the courts. And what I'd like to see happen is I want there to be a debate on what uh, – non-discrimination law should cover and what it shouldn't. Well, let because, me throw one at you then, yeah. Professor, because I yeah. want to, um, this is a question yeah. I think that's, that would be a, a helpful one. I, I'll give you an example right out of my own personal life. You know, I'm, I'm a full-time pastor, um, but I also have a, a wedding a, a wedding business, you could say, on the side where I offer myself to perform weddings with, to people outside my right. church. I, I yep. advertise. It's it's totally separate from my church, where even if they, you know, if they kick me out of the church tomorrow, I could still do yeah. this. Um, if, But I also, because of my conscience and my beliefs, I absolutely would refer refrain from performing a same-sex wedding ceremony. Where does someone like me fall into this? Do I need to be concerned about anti-discrimination suit? Because I'm not protected by the church per se, because I'm not doing it in the name of the church. But I, but I, and I also run a, you know, it basically is a, is a, it's not a business from the standpoint I have an office, but it's, it's a service that's provided. How would we, how would, how do, how does, how do we get through the weeds on an issue when it comes to something like that? Well, I, I am really happy you asked me that question, and I want uh, everybody listening to understand that there is no possibility uh, of any member of the clergy being forced to participate in religious rituals to which their conscience does not accept. And that goes for people who play the organ, that goes for you know the choir, that goes for, for the, the church itself. And I am looking at, literally, as we talk, uh, a case called State versus Barkley from 1985 uh, in the state of Kansas, which is, uh, as far as I can tell, the only time in American history that a civil rights law has been attempted to be used against a pastor, someone, you know, very much like yourself, who operated a for-profit wedding chapel. Now, he was ordained, he was a member of the Southern Baptist uh, uh, Convention, um, but he also had a business called the Wedding Chapel, and people could come and sign up. They didn't have to be members of the church. He would give them a nice religious wedding. Uh, Well, somebody in—this is in Kansas— somebody in the state prosecutor's office got concerned because uh, Reverend Barkley uh, did not believe that the Bible sanctioned interracial marriage. 
I'm not comparing opposition okay. to same-sex gotcha. marriage to that. I'm just saying that was the issue. They said, you're discriminating in who you marry. You can't do that. And, and they brought a prosecution against him for violating the Kansas Civil Rights Act. And the Kansas uh, Supreme Court, in a decision in 1985, basically said, you know, they, and courts have to do this from time to time to prosecutors. They said, what are you, stupid? You know, what are you doing? What is this case doing here? They said... The First Amendment says Congress will make no law respecting establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Mm -hmm. They said, we have searched everywhere in the case law. We cannot find a single case uh, that has you know, ever tried to apply a law like this to a, uh, a religious clergyman who performs religious ceremonies. Get this case out of here. Well, that is the the only time a case like that has ever been brought. Right. And, 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 I, and I appreciate that. And I understand right. that. I understand that, but I, th I, and that, I, that obviously in your knowledge on this is extensive. What I've heard you say several times is, is, um, you know, Hey, listen, when, when it comes to individuals, when it comes to clergy, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. The question I'd like to ask you, professor is, do you really, do you believe that, that those in the, and for lack of a better term, the gay lobby or those who are really fighting hard, who have fought hard to change the laws in the first place, do you really think that they'll stop there? Or do you think that their aspirations are even much larger because I don't even think 10 years ago, I think 10 years ago you could have said, hey, don't worry. If you own a pizza place, you are not going to be compelled to, to serve um, your pizza at a, at, a, uh, at, a, um, you know, at a wedding reception. Don't worry. If you're a photographer, no one's going to force you to take pictures at a same-sex wedding. I mean, wouldn't they have said the same thing 10 years ago? So I hear you say, don't worry. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I want to believe you. But at the same time, history is moving very rapidly. History is moving very rapidly, but it ain't moving away from the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. I can promise you that. And this is not, in other words, to be protected in your exercise of religion, that is, you know, your religious teaching, your, your conduct of church matters, your conduct of religious ceremonies, whether under the aegis of a church or not, right, mm -hmm. in your commercial business where you offer religious weddings to couples, it is simply... Uh, not possible under the First Amendment that any government could compel, compel you to engage in that kind of religious ritual behavior. And I can guarantee you, because I cover the Supreme Court, I'm there six days a, a month when they hmm. conduct arguments, I read their opinions, uh, the Supreme Court would, would uh, strike something like that down so fast you, you can't even believe it. Religious practice, specifically religious practice, is protected. The question that we have is, whether people who are in business serving the public generally in a secular manner, by which I mean pediatricians, right. veterinarians, right. Uh, you know, uh, stores, caterers, and so forth, whether they can turn down customers on um, on uh, you know uh, right. You're talking uh, about public that they're that they're they're gay, and um, yeah. the the answer is. You know, we've got to work that out because public accommodations laws are different, and, and many of them allow certain kinds of exemptions for small business or certain kinds of business. Some of the statutes don't cover things like photographers, um, and and that's the debate we need to have. Well, uh, it is it is a debate, and you, you go back to, you know, in, in talking about public accommodation, and I know that's, and that's the point that you're trying to make. At the same time, I'm your article, and, and in fact, they put it in, in uh, very large letters off to the side of the text, um, says, and you, you say this, I quote, being required to serve those we dislike 
is a painful price to pay for for the privilege of running a business. Now, the, the first thing I want to say about that is I, I really want to make sure and, t- and kind of take issue with the fact that you say being required to serve those we dislike. The the, the pizza place, Memories Pizza in, in Indianapolis, they said, in fact, ABC, um, ABC News confirmed this. They said they would not refuse service to a gay man or woman at all. They would only refuse to cater a gay wedding. Now, I might, I think the confusion here and what, what this says when we say, well, we, we, we dislike this person. The confusion that's created is because I won't serve you, that means I dislike you. When, and when in fact, when it comes well, to re- religious from conscience. The point of view, from the legal point of view, dislike doesn't matter. Okay. All that matters is, are you treating people differently? Are you discriminating against them because of their race, because of their sex, because of their sexual orientation? But, but, they're, but see, they're not, say, though. You could say, I, well... Uh, but they're not, they're, yeah. they're not discriminating against them because of their sexual orientation. They're saying, I cannot in good conscience participate in a behavioral event that you're putting on. This is something that you're doing out of a... they could participate... You know, I don't want to spend too much time on Memories Pizza because, frankly, I think... Uh, a lot of that is a publicity stunt, and I think it's also caused some very hateful behavior on it both has. sides. You're right, and and you know, but I I, I do want to say that um, uh, again, right? We go back to this issue of of whether the First Amendment's going to apply and mm-hmm. how, and we haven't even started that discussion either in the courts or or in society as 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 a whole. Um, but I do think that um, if you say we will cater a wedding between. Uh, a man and a woman, but we won't cater a wedding between two men or two women. You know, y- you can say you don't dislike the person. That's fine. That's still discrimination under the law because you're treating people differently. Now, at present, and I, everybody needs to understand this, at present, federal uh, civil rights laws don't cover sexual orientation. At present, statewide laws in, mo- in most states don't. Uh, some cities have these laws and some don't. Um, but the, the point is, when it comes, if the time comes to draft these laws, we need to have the discussion openly. And my problem with the, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, Tim, was that it was kind of a stealth operation. Mm-hmm. And, and really, uh, the, yeah. the, uh, the process of equality and the, uh, the big companies only became aware of it at the end. And the, the advocates like Governor Pence you know, continued basically, I think, to, to mislead people about what was in it. Um, and and fortunately, the whistle got blown. And what happened in Indiana doesn't give any new rights, right, none, to anybody on the basis of sexual orientation. It simply means that we're going we're gonna to have this debate straight out and not Secretly. Well, yeah, um, but the t- but the tidal wave is coming, and everybody kind of knows that, and I think you know that. I mean, the tidal wave is coming. The, but uh, last question, because I know you have to go teach yeah, a class, and I yeah. so appreciate. And I this got is students to bore, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't been boring here. You've de- I mean, yeah. definitely shown a thorough knowledge of this, and, and appreciate the back and forth we're able to have here. And it is once again one thing about the show here is is you know talk radio gets gets you know uh, criticized for being kind of just uh, in terms of so so critical of of uh, I mean and hateful and everything else. We've really tried to have an honest discussion here, but let me ask you this. Yeah, Yeah, let me ask you this. If a a same-sex couple owned a... Let's just switch around. If a same-sex couple owned a catering service, and there was was an anti-gay rally at the Westboro Baptist Church, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. should they be be compelled to serve them? Are they turning them down because they're straight? Uh, They'd be turning them down because, well, for their religious reasons, for the fact that they, they they do not like the fact that... Westboro Baptist Church, what Westboro Baptist Church teaches or believes or how they live their life. 
So they're not turning them down because of sexual orientation, correct? Well, I don't know. I didn't get that far in my analogy. <laughs> well, uh, you know, there's, I mean, because I think we can assume that a, a couple owned by, uh, a business owned by a same-sex couple would be happy to have uh, business catering the average church. And they wouldn't say, gosh, is your church... Uh, made up of heterosexual couples, we won't cater. Well, but we what all know. Saying, but we all know the Westboro Baptist Church, though, is is the. No, no, you, I understand that, but I think I think the issue is slightly different. What they're asserting is a First Amendment right to do something based on disagreement with the viewpoint, mm-hmm. and that goes back to the First Amendment issue that I just mentioned, which is slightly different from discrimination based on sexual orientation. It's really important to to distinguish those two, and and they both can be argued. But yeah, but see, that's argued, the thing. They but, have to be argued separately. Tim. But they see, can't, they're not the same issue. Well, perhaps, but 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 I would argue. But see, that's the that's see, and that's where the camel's nose has gotten in the tent because now mm-hmm. sexual orientation has moved from being being a, a an issue of as as you said, um, uh, I don't exactly remember how you put it just a second ago, but as you put it, a point of view. Because I would see it, I would see it as a point of view, and now it's been it's being protected as in the same way as as a, as a racial identification, which I think is just it's the, it's the wrong road for us to take overall. Now that being said, I absolutely believe that we need to protect the rights of everyone, and and uh, I I can I think, and I think you would agree with this, professor, that we could a person could say, you know what, I really don't feel comfortable participating in this ceremony, even though I, I deeply I, I do care for you as a person, I want you to be able to have freedom to do what what, what you're able to do. I just can't enthusiastically embrace this. And I think we need to be very careful uh, how we are letting the chips fall there. And I think you would agree with that as well. Professor, I don't want to take up any more of your time because I know you've got to, to teach a class, but I thank you so much for joining me here on uh, Life, Life 3. Do you have a good time? Uh, yeah, anytime. Give me <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you did. I'd love to have you back on. Can I talk? Can I ask you more questions as other constitutional law issues yeah, come up? Can I, can I hit you up again? You know where I'm at. Oh, thank you so much, Professor. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Have a great class. We have been talking with Professor Garrett Epps, of uh, Professor of Constitutional Law at the University of Baltimore, and we had a great discussion. Call me at 602-368-3776 and let me know what you think about it after the break. I am Tim Jacobs. Hi there, Tim Jacobs here. I want to talk to all of my listeners living in the Phoenix area. And if you're like me, you're trying to stay active, and sometimes maybe your ego is writing checks that your body can't cash. And if you find yourself getting hurt, maybe you pulled something and you don't want it to sideline you, you need to go see my friends at ChiroFit. They are a full service uh, chiropractic, massage, physical therapy, and they have locations all over the valley. They have have one in Buckeye and in Peoria, Tempe. They just opened up another location in Avondale. Go to chirofitgroup.com. That's chirofitgroup.com or call them at 623-773-2000 and just tell them. Say, I'm hurting and I need help. And they will get right on it and you can go down there and you can start feeling better today. So again, chirofitgroup.com and tell them that Tim Jacobs sent you. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Just got done with an interview with Professor Garrett Epps, constitutional professor of constitutional law at the University of Baltimore. And, you know, the, the thing about this, by the way, it is for well, 435, 35 minutes after the hour. It's 435 if you live in the Valley of the Sun, which is the greatest place to live on the planet. But 
I am Tim Jacobs. You're listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. And, you know, just, just chatting with uh, the owner of the station here. You know, he's like, Tim, you, you, are, you are boxing. You should have done some UFC. You know, I wanted more hardcore. You know, it'd been cool to hear you just really yeah, go after him a little bit more. And, and it, it's hard because um, this is an issue that gets so easily charged. I'm trying to let the, the other side make their point. The bottom line is this, guys. We are living in a new world. And, you know, I, I am doing everything I can to try to make sense of all of this, but we are living in a world that is rapidly changing. Um, I, you know, it's funny, I, I preached about this at my church a couple years ago, and if you go to compasschurchaz.com and you um, type in the search, you can you can search for our messages, and there's one that's called, Why Do Christians Believe Marriage Should Be Between a Man and a Woman? And that's, um, in fact, I was talking with a guy today who has had several, of about 10 or a dozen or so of his friends um, listen and watch that video, that, I, that message that I gave about... Um, about same-sex marriage, and um, and they are all they all said the feedback he's getting who are these are all homosexuals and the feedback he's getting is people saying you know what we've never heard somebody who isn't hateful but who makes a really good point now they don't really know what to think about the whole issue and there is so much there that uh, that we that we need to discuss and deal with because it is it's gonna it's going to it's going to change the culture and I really to be honest with you I don't believe him um, I don't believe Professor Epps when he's when he and a lot of people have said this oh don't worry don't worry um, you know pastors and religious people and individuals are not they're not going to be compelled um, but that but that's not the same people who have gotten these laws in place who have who have been a part of altering the definition of marriage who brought these lawsuits they're not done they're not done. And that's the, that's like the elephant in the room. Again, this isn't like, I just wish people would be honest. In fact, I have quote after quote after quote after quote after quote of people saying, look, we are not done with, with just same-sex marriage being the law of the land. We actually want to eliminate marriage. I'm not saying that everybody thinks that. I'm saying that there are those who, who do. And I think we just need to be honest. So in the same way that the professor was talking about Governor Mike Pence being a little bit shady um, in terms of his desire to put forth this law in kind of a really quick way without a whole lot of debate, I think the same can be said for those who are uh, absolutely um, driving the the same-sex marriage agenda. Now, be that as it may, remember that as a Christian, we are to love people. Um, we are. I, here's the thing I don't understand. I don't understand why we can't love people and disagree with them at the same time. And that's the part that just, just boggles my mind. So if you disagree with me, then you hate me. I would never, ever say that to a person. I have never, ever said that to a person. I've never said, if you disagree with me, you can hate me. You have, you, you, that means you hate me. No, you can disagree with me and, and we can go out and have a great time together. You know, we can, we can, we can interact and talk. Everybody deserves to have their rights protected. But the problem is the government has stepped in and wrenched the definition away from nature. And, and you know what, this, this law in Indiana and the subsequent law in Georgia and, or that they're talking about and all these other things that are going to fall out. Just every, just, here's the thing. I don't want to keep talking about this because I have other things I want to talk about, but I promise you every three weeks this is going to come up in the news because there's going to be some other twist and turn down this, this broken road of stupidity that we have taken. And um, I, I don't really know what the, what the end game is here. So that being said... Um, we, uh, we move on. But we move on in this sense. I've got Adam with me. And Adam, has, I, I, Adam is, our, um, is my resident intern here from Grand Canyon University. Adam, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Sam? Good. We've got to get your mic up. Is your mic up? Is Adam's mic up? 
right, now yeah, we're good. there you are. Okay, now we're good, we're I, I sent Adam on an assignment to go find um, crazy Christian news for me because I wanted to see what's going on out there in the Christian world that is um, bizarre, strange, funny, weird, whatever. But before we do that, actually, before we do that, you know, we talked about this law in Indiana. We look. We have all these challenges going on in the world. We have we have ISIS. We have um, you know we we've, we've got um, Al Shabaab. We've got these horrible things happening in the world, and they are they're they're devastating. But something happened today that uh, that really broke my heart. And um, well, I guess the best way to uh, to just let you know about this is to just announce it like this. Go ahead, Mark. Here we go. Come on. Just a good old boy. Yep. Never meaning no harm. Nope, never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Since the day they was born. Straighten the curve. Do you remember this, my friends? When you were just a youngin'? Do you remember when you were like, if you're 40 like I am? I'll tell you, I'm 40, I'll admit it. I'm good, I'm four. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm 40 years old. Well, almost. But, you know, I was a little guy, a little tyke. I liked, I liked uh, Bo. I liked Luke. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't there yet with, with Daisy, but uh, I knew there was something going on there. just hadn't quite kicked in yet. So, uh, anyway, here's the, here's the point, guys. Roscoe P. Coltrane has died. According to CNN, Roscoe P. Coltrane was 88 years old, died in hospice in Hickory, North Carolina of complications from pneumonia. Have we not conquered pneumonia yet? What is wrong with this world? <sighs> anyway. Um, but anyway, do you remember Roscoe P. Coltrane and he had the little dog? What was his dog's name? Do you know? Adam, you're like 20. See, you weren't even born. Tim, here's the problem. You asked me about a couple weeks ago about, um, what was the one movie? Um, the Holy Grail or... Monty uh, Python. Monty Python. Yeah. See, I've only seen that twice. You're pulling the movies from way back in the day, so I can't help you with the dog one. I'd have yeah. to Google that right now. I'm, I'm good on Google, though. Yeah, that's fine. You're good on Google because, you know, you haven't lived without Google. Yeah. But back before Google, Adam, we used to watch The Dukes of Hazard, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. So I'd have a moment of silence for Roscoe P. Coltrane, but it is radio, and you'd think something happened to the station. So instead of that, take a moment. Um, mourn the loss of Roscoe P. Coltrane. But you know what, my friends? Life is short. And just remember that, okay? We think people like this are going to live forever. And so I just picture him there in his hat and his little badge and his little dog. I'm sure the dog died like 30 years ago, which is sad in and of itself. I think, I don't know, is Boss Hog still around? It doesn't matter. Anyway, just a little bit of humor. We had a very uh, heavy half hour earlier. You, if you hadn't, you didn't listen to it, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, you got to go listen, catch it on the podcast later on this evening, the uh, discussion I had about the, uh, the Indiana law. Uh, that being said, let's uh, let's talk about the crazy news. What's going on? All right, Tim. Well, you know, we just got finished with Easter, of course. And, you know, like you said, I'm a technology-driven guy. I've been around it ever since I was born. I've Googled everything when I have to do homework. That's where I go. Um, so I'm going to ask you, following Easter, um, there's been a big spike during three major holidays around, you know, religion. Yep. Um, and Google searches. When people want to find a church, you know, where should I go to? I haven't been since, you know the last holiday and so i want you to guess what are the three religious holidays that see the most of a the most growth in google's numbers for where can i find a church well adam that's like the easiest question in the world christmas easter mother's day 
You see, not Mother's Day. You got two for three. What? One How can it not be Mother's Day? We have Christmas, yep. Easter, and I don't think you can get this one. It's a Catholic. Most of most Ash of, Wednesday. You got it. Are you there. kidding me? Yeah. Ash Wednesday? People, hey, I need to get the ashes. So, you know, they'll Google oh, it. Oh, so they Google yeah. to go buy the ashes or, or they, to go get it uh, put on their forehead. Oh, not to buy them to go get them. No. You know, I'm yeah. sorry. I know those of those, anyone you listening is Catholic, you're like, dude, this dude's pathetic, but you got to understand something. I did not, I am, I am a Protestant Christian pastor. I have, I don't really know hardly anything. I don't know anything about Catholic church or, I mean, I know more about the theology than I do the actual practice. So my apologies mm-hmm. on that one, but I did not know that Ash Wednesday. That's yeah. very interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. So okay. now you know, so what, so that, so in other words, that's the top three on Google. Okay. What's, what, okay. what do you got for me next? So sweet. That was also from uh, Tobin Grant on religious news service. All right, next, um, continuing continuing and finishing on the Easter theme, um, imagine this, you know, it's like, all right, honey, all right, you convinced me, let's go to church, it's Easter, and all of a sudden, you're in New Jersey, you're in the service, and all of a sudden, let's, guess what happens? The ceiling collapses, that's right, and in New Jersey, uh, Korean U- Union United Methodist Church, the, you have about the seven, ceiling yeah, collapsed? 75 people were in service, and um, sadly, one's critically injured. No, no, no fatalities, good. but 14 injuries in total. So um, imagine, you know, probably assume, hey, the rapture is happening. And I told you, this is what happens when we come to church. Now, was on this Easter. on Easter? Yeah, this was exactly so on you, the day. And what was the name of the church? Um, this was the Korean Union United Methodist Church. So you. You mm-hmm. could say that the Korean Union United Methodist Church really brought the house down. They bet. We need a button bar, honestly. <laughs> I, I would have hit the button bar. No, that's so bad. But no, but it's sad that someone's critically injured. That's not good. Yeah, and no, we assume no. this is true because you're fine. You, you're going to these wacky yeah. websites that this may or even not even be true. CharismaNews.com. Charis- okay, CharismaNews is not bad. I don't know. I don't read it too much, but that's uh, okay. There you go. Okay. So, so we had a roof collapse. That's Now, look, folks, if your Easter service was boring and horrible and, you know, whatever, and they didn't have live animals and... Do they have live animals in Easter? I think they do. Anyway, here's the hmm. point. At least the roof didn't cave in. Okay, Adam, what do you got next? All right, I got two more for you. This one, uh, Mike Tyson's Abandoned Home. And now, if you get the chance to Google this, um, it went up for sale. Some millionaire bought it, but now somehow it's landed in the hands of a church in Ohio. So imagine this. You got this multi-million dollar home. Of, I can't remember how much this thing cost when it was bought. Uh, I believe it was $1.3 million actually. And so... Now, would that would that kind of bring you as a new Christian to go to church? If hey, this is Mike Tyson's giant mansion. I know this is just, you're looking for the goofy stories, and I I was kind of looking this up, and I thought this is pretty so, crazy. So Mike, so so help me understand. They someone bought a church, bought Mike Tyson's house, mm-hmm. and they're renovating it, turning it into a church. Yeah, and they even said, hey, uh, so they're actually hoping to have Mike Tyson come to their first service once it's all finished and renovated. Um, it, it, they want to incorporate a sanctuary, classrooms, a youth center, and a, a children's area, which includes a gym. And so uh, I looked at the pictures of this online. This thing is outstanding. I mean, you can see why athletes go bankrupt when you buy, like, pools and basketball courts in your home. Uh, I mean, that's what happens. So are they going to have, like, the, uh, like you know, like the Robin Givens Memorial? Yeah something or other <laughs> i don't know yeah you know like maybe a first aid kit over by where she hung out or are they gonna have a little yeah like chalk outline or something i will be in contact maybe a vander holyfield's ear yeah. on display frame yeah in I a mean, frame off yeah. to the side absolutely that'd be cool maybe you know <laughs> if you want to go and just kind of pay homage it'd be, you know, it'd be funny if they had a vander holyfield speak there yeah preach at the church in mike tyson's house yeah i do know holyfield you know he's a with all the shots he's taking to the head, I don't know if he can formulate too many uh, 
That's great true. Great senses. It, it would be short. It would be a short sermon. Short and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. that's good. That's interesting. Now, if you know, you didn't know that, you know, who knew? Who knew? It's kind of like it's kind of like when the um, uh, it's like when Voltaire. Uh, remember that guy Voltaire who who made the prediction back in the 1800s, the French um, philosopher, that Christianity would be dead in a hundred years. And that, was it the 1800s or 17s? I forget. My my kids are studying history right now, and they're telling me stuff I remembered. You know, I learned 20 years ago, <laughs> but. He made some prediction that Christianity would be dead in a hundred years, and then a hundred years later, they were actually they some uh, the French Bible Society bought Voltaire's house, and they're printing Bibles out of his house. So I mean, it's not really the same thing, but it reminded me of it. Okay, what else you got? All right, we'll finish up with this one for uh, for my segment. Um, so Dateline, Massachusetts, okay? Massachusetts, and Christian Today reports on this one. All right, so Mike Overd, I believe he is a former. Um, Let's see, what was his job? A paratrooper. And so he's preaching on the streets. He's uh, been doing this the past five years. A street preacher. He's a street preacher. And he gets arrested. Uh, this was back in June of 2014. And um, so he's, this whole case has finally come to a conclusion. And he gets in trouble for um, basically preaching against homosexuality. Or gay. So kind of going into what we talked about in the last segment. Um, with our with our wonderful guest, and um, he quoted Leviticus twenty thirteen, which kind of talks about you know if a man lay with a man. I mean, this is Old Testament stuff. Um, you know, talking about the sin right, of that it's an he, abomination. Yeah, yeah, abomination. The exact word he used. And so the judge in the Bristol Crown Court said, "Hey, you can't use abomination." And so in the end, he has to pay two hundred dollars for his fine and another thirteen hundred in costs and comp- compensation to one of the homosexual men who um wasn't who heard the preaching. So. So you may think, all right, wow. well, that, that's kind of weird. But actually, as I went down with the story, um, this guy's kind of kind of a little goofy because this is uh, not the first time he's actually uh, been in trouble with the law with his preaching. So oh, I don't know. Yeah. How, I don't know how I'm. You know, take that. I mean, again, it's it's all context, my friends. You can't, you know, I mean, if you, I guess you, there's there's freedom of speech, and again, that's going to come into the issue. But it's it's context. It's it's like when is there a good time to do this and. But the whole the whole fine thing seems kind of weird to me. So that's what you got. That's that's Adam Johnson with mm-hmm. uh, crazy Christian news. Crazy stuff. Christian news. If I I'll be back next week. Let's get back at it. Well, that sounds that sounds awesome. So, kind of summing up where we are today, and I, I want to we have a few more minutes. And by the way, if you have a question about anything or a comment about anything, 602-368-3776. This is Life Three Hundred and Sixty with Tim Jacobs, launching a new little segment here with Adam Johnson called Crazy Christian News, because you know there's just crazy stuff that happens out there, and the world's getting pretty nutty. But I think it's important, once again, that we that we and I, I heard someone say this. Uh, they said it this way and it really made me think there's one thing to say you know we want to we have to roll with the, the tide of the culture and we do there, there is a sense in like you know what you can't just get mad about everything but at the same time you got to know what it is that you believe and there shouldn't be any fear in trying to be clear about what it is you believe and so for example you know when we talk about Easter we absolutely believe for example, that Jesus rose from the dead. Like it was a physical thing that happened. And if it's not just being resurrected as an idea or being resurrected as a thought or a metaphor, or whatever else, but it's an actual thing that actually happened. And if it happened, you got to think about the, the repercussions of such a thing. You got to think about what does this mean for my, for my life if Jesus actually rose from the dead? And one of the points I was trying to make in our church last weekend was the fact that, you know what, if you have a problem with the actual miracle of Jesus rising from the dead, 
The whole, your whole life is a miracle. The very fact that you're alive is a miracle. And I cited Eric Metaxas in his book, Miracles. If you haven't had a chance to get that, you need to go out, you need to go to amazon.com and you need to buy that book from uh, Eric Metaxas called, just simply called Miracles, the yellow book, big book. And it's just full of stuff. But he, he says stuff like this. He, he talks about the fact that, that if, uh, if we look at just the planet Earth for a second, scientists have determined that if the Earth was slightly larger than it is, then gravity would not allow life to exist because the gases of methane and ammonia would be too close to the surface, which would poison us and we would die. If the Earth was just slightly larger, if the Earth was slightly smaller than it is, then the lack of gravity in the Earth, because it would have less gravity, would mean that water vapor would escape from the Earth's surface and that there would be uh, you know, no possibility of water vapor. You have no water, you have no life. Now, it's funny because after Easter, I went home and I saw um, my wife. My wife is like crazy. She... She gets, she has this foot surgery, so she can't hardly do anything, okay? And thank God for the internet, because she had to get our kids Easter baskets. And I mean, our, Easter, our kids' Easter baskets, I'm like, I'm jealous. Like, why did I not get one of these things? I mean, they've got, they got DVD, not DVD, Blu-rays, they've got candy, they've got, like, clothes, they've got, you know, I don't know, like, um, savings bond. I mean, whatever. They did all they did money. There's all kinds of stuff loaded in this. It's a huge Easter basket. Where did you get this? So anyway... But so we, she bought um, the movie Interstellar. And if you haven't seen the movie Interstellar, it is a trip. One of the things they do is planet Earth goes and they, they, they leave planet Earth a couple, um, you know, what, the guy that drives the Lincoln, Matthew McConaughey mm-hmm. in the Lincoln commercials. It's so funny Those too. Those are weird commercials. Well, you know, he was driving that Dodge truck around and I was thinking he should be driving a Lincoln around because he, he acts the yeah, same way. He's, he's like, a classy yeah. guy. Yeah, you know, I got my Lincoln. But anyway, so he's <laughs> trying to find another planet, okay? And it's amazing because they, they had to go to this, through this wormhole, and obviously it's kind of nutty. But anyway, so they, they find it. So they think they found this planet. All of the conditions are there, but there's only one problem. The planet is all covered with water, and they have these, like, mile-high tidal waves, which is creepy to watch on the screen, right? I mean, huge tidal waves happening. And so they realize that, yes, there's water, and obviously there's probably be some form of, of, of life or whatever because there's water and there's waves but there's no way life could exist on this planet in fact the person that they were trying to follow had already been killed and there's their beacon was going off which is what got them to the planet and I thought it was so interesting because it, Eric Metaxas makes this point if the moon if our moon was just a little bit larger than it is then we would have tidal waves like the one on that planet in the movie Interstellar and there'd be no way life could exist and so even if you had all the conditions necessary, if you had the oxygen and everything else, if you just, the moon was different, there'd be no way. And so these people, they, when they realize that all that's on this planet are like, are, are, are waves that would even make a, like one of those championship surfer guys freak out, they get out of there as fast as they can and they're not coming back. See, that's the thing. And so you start looking at the miracle of the universe, all the, the different um, things that need to happen to, to have life is so unbelievably a slight. And I say this to you because, my friends, you need to have confidence. The whole purpose of this show is to arm you, to equip you, not to be angry, not to be crazy, not to be fearful, not to not to hide in your room and get and go on all these crazy websites that Adam found on the internet with crazy Christian news and not sit there all day, but actually engage people. You know what I mean? And to just be a happy person, be a winsome person. My friends, err on the side of grace, okay? But understand what it is you believe and understand why you believe what you believe.
And you can have conversations with guys like Professor Epps, who seems like a nice guy. He just happens to be somebody who does not adhere to um, what the scripture, what the Bible says. And I do. And yet we can still get along, even though um, even though one of the guys here in the studio told me I should have went after him harder. Well, you know what? Maybe next time. Hey, listen, I want to remind you, you can get this show and you make sure and get this interview. You can hear this interview. Um, go to my website, uh, timjacobslive.com. Find me on Facebook. Send me an email. I'd love, you know, say, hey, Tim, I've been listening to your show. Just want to let you know. You don't have to like ask me anything or say anything. You don't have to think, say anything intelligent. Just say, hey, I'm listening. Tim at compasschurchaz.com. I always love to hear from you. Because you know what? This is, it, there's scary stuff going on out there, but we don't need to fear. We need to have confidence because as the name of this show is Life360 with Tim Jacobs, you know what? The gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus came that we may have life and have it in every area. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I love my life. I really do. I love the desert. I love my, I just love living here. I, I, I really believe, I'll tell you something. You don't want to be caught looking back in 20 years and saying, I had it so good back then. I didn't know, how, and I spent all my time so afraid of the world caving in on me. So go out there and live. You know what I mean? Take some risks. Be bold. Be brave. Be adventurous. Scare yourself in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Scare yourself a little bit. Um, do something that requires faith and guts done out of hope and for the glory of God, all right? And I will see you again next week, 4 p.m. on Life360 with Tim Jacobs. Have a wonderful week. God bless you, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.